Chapter Five of Bashan and I by Thomas Mann. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: The Chase, Part Three. And then, finally, there is the hunt after waterfowl, to which I must also dedicate a few lines. This hunt can take place only during winter and the colder part of the spring before the birds migrate from their quarters near the city to the lakes the suburbs here serving them merely as a kind of emergency halting place in obedience to the demands of the stomach this hunt is less exciting than the rabbit hunt is likely to be but like this it has something that is attractive both to hunter and to hound or rather to the hunter and his master the master is captivated by these forays after the wild fowl chiefly in consideration of the landscape since the friendly nearness of the water is connected with them but also because it diverts and edifies him to study the form of life practised by these swimmers and flyers thus emerging a little out of his own rut and experimenting with theirs the attitude towards life assumed by the ducks is more amiable more bourgeois and more comfortable than that of the gulls nearly always they appear to be full and contented little troubled by the cares of subsistence no doubt because they always chance to find what they seek and because the table so to speak is always set for them for as i observe they eat nearly everything worms snails insects or even green ooze from the water and enjoy vast stretches of leisure which enable them to sit and sun themselves on the stones with bills tucked comfortably under one wing for a little siesta or preening and oiling of their plumage so that it does not come into contact with the water at all but rather causes this to pearl off from the surface in a string of nervous drops or you may catch them going for a mere pleasure ride or swim upon the racing stream lifting their pointed tails into the air and turning and twisting and shrugging their shoulders in bland self-satisfaction but in the nature of the gulls there is something wild and hectic dreary and sad and monotonous they are invested with an air of desperate and hungry depredation almost all day long they go crying around the waterfall in bevies and in slant transverse flight or curving about the place where the brownish waters pour from the mouths of the great pipes into the stream for the swift darting plunge for fish which some of these gulls practice is scarcely sufficiently rich in results to still their raw and raging mass hunger and the titbits with which they are frequently forced to content themselves as they swoop above the overflows and carry away mysterious fragments in their bent beaks must sometimes be far from appetizing they do not like the banks of the river but when the water is low they stand and huddle in close crowds upon the rocks which are then free of water and these they cover with their white feathery masses just as the crags and islets of the northern seas squirm and writhe with untold numbers of nesting eider-ducks when bashan barking from the shore across the intervening flood threatens their security then it is a fine sight to see them all rise simultaneously into the air with loud cries and caws but there is no need of their feeling themselves menaced there is no real danger 
for quite apart from his inborn aversion to water bashan harbors a very wise and entirely justifiable fear of the current of the river he knows that his strength could not possibly cope with this and that it would infallibly bear him off god knows whither or to what distances presumably as far as the danube where he would arrive however in an extremely disfigured condition this is a contingency of which we have already had ocular evidence in the shape of bloated cadavers of cats which were en route to those far-off parts he will never venture into the river farther than the first submerged stones that line the bank even though the fierce and ecstatic lust of the chase should be tugging at his limbs even though he should wear a mean as though he were about to plunge himself into the waves yes the very next moment full confidence however may be placed in his caution which remains active and vigilant beneath all this external show of passionate abandon there is a distinct purpose behind all these mimetic onsets these spectacular preparations for action they are empty threats which in the last analysis are not really dictated by passion at all but are calculated with the utmost sang-froid merely to intimidate the web-footed foe but the gulls true to their names are far too poorly equipped in head and heart to be capable of mocking his efforts bashan cannot get at them but he can send his barks against them send his voice thundering across the water this voice has the effect of something material an onset which flutters them and cows them and which they are unable to resist for long true they make the attempt to do so they remain seated but an uneasy movement goes through the writhing mass they turn their heads ever and anon one of them will lift its wings upon a chance until suddenly the whole crew like a whitish cloud from the core of which come bitter and fatalistic caws goes rustling and rushing up into the air with bashan jumping about hither and thither on the stones in order to scare and scatter them and keep them in motion for that is the thing to do to keep them in motion they must not be permitted to rest they must fly upstream and downstream so that he may chase them bashan goes scouring along the banks nosing along their entire length for everywhere there are ducks at rest with bills tucked cunningly and comfortably under their wings and wherever he chances to go they fly up in front of his nose so that his progress is like a gay sweeping clean and whirling up of the entire strip of sand they glide and plump into the water which buoys and turns them about in security or they go flying over his head with bills and necks outstretched whilst bashan running along the bank measures the power of his legs with that of their pinions he is ravished and grateful if they will but fly if they will only deign to give him an opportunity for a bit of glorious coursing up and down the river they are no doubt aware of these wishes of his and are even capable of utilizing them for their own benefit i saw a mother duck with her brood it was in the spring and the river was already void of birds this one alone had remained behind with her young who were not yet able to fly and she was guarding them in a slime-covered puddle which had been left by the last flood-water and which filled a depression in the dry bed of the stream 
it was there that bashan chanced upon them i observed the scene from the upper way he sprang into the puddle sprang into it with barkings and savage truculent motions and scattered the family of ducks in a most deplorable fashion to be sure he did no harm to any member of this family but he frightened them all beyond expression and the ducklings flapping their stumps of wings plunged wildly in all directions the mother duck however was seized by that maternal heroism which will hurl itself blindly and full of mad courage even against the most formidable foe in order to protect the brood and which frequently knows how to bewilder and fluster this foe by a delirious courage which apparently exceeds the limits of nature with every feather ruffled and with bill horribly agape the bird fluttered repeatedly against bashan's face in attack after attack making one heroic offensive after another against him hissing portentously the while and actually her wild and uncompromising aspect brought about a confused retreat on the part of the enemy without however inducing him to quit the field of battle for good for with a great hullabaloo and clamour he still persisted in advancing anew the duck mother thereupon changed her tactics and chose the part of wisdom since heroism had shown itself to be impractical it is more than likely that she knew bashan from some previous experience was fully acquainted with his weaknesses and childish desires so she abandoned her little ones that is she apparently abandoned them she took refuge in the cunning flew up flew across the river pursued by bashan pursued as was his firm belief whilst in reality it was she who led him led him by the fool's tether of his dominant passion she flew with the stream then against it farther and farther whilst bashan raced beside her so far downstream and away from the puddle with the ducklings that i lost sight of both the duck and the dog as i walked on later on my good dolt came back to me quite winded and panting furiously but when we again passed that puddle it was empty of its erstwhile tenants such were the tactics of the mother duck and bashan was sincerely grateful but he abominates those ducks who in the sleek placidity of their bourgeois-like existence refuse to serve him as objects of the hunt and who whenever he comes tearing along simply let themselves slip into the water from the stones along the banks and then in ignoble security rock themselves before his nose not impressed in the least by his mighty voice and not in the least deceived like the nervous gulls by his theatrical lunges towards the river there we stand on the stones side by side bashan and i and there two paces from us in insolent security the duck sways lightly upon the waves with her bill pressed in pretentious dignity against her breast and though stormed at by bashan's maddened voice absolutely undisturbed in her serenity soberness and common sense she keeps rowing against the current so that she remains approximately in about the same spot for all that she is drawn a little downstream only a yard or two from her there is a whirlpool a beautiful foaming cascade towards which she turns her conceited and upstanding tail bashan barks and braces his forefeet against the stones and inwardly i bark with him for i cannot forbear sharing some of his feelings of hatred against the duck and her cool 
insolent matter-of-factness and so i hope that evil may overtake her pay at least some attention to our barking is the mental speech i hurl at her and not to the rapids so that you may be drawn by accident into the whirlpool and thus expose yourself to danger and discomfiture before our eyes but this angry hope of mine is also doomed to remain unfulfilled for precisely at the moment when she nears the edge of the cascade in the stream the duck flutters a bit and flies a few yards upstream and sits down in the water once more the shameless hussy i am unable to think of the vexation with which we both contemplate the duck under these circumstances without recalling to mind an adventure which i shall recount at the close it was attended by a certain satisfaction for me and my companion and yet there was something painful in it something disturbing and confusing yes it even led to a temporary chill in the relationship between bashan and myself and could i have foreseen this i would rather have avoided the spot where this adventure awaited us it was a good distance out and downstream and beyond the ferryman's house there where the wilderness of the river bank approaches close to the upper road along the river we were going along this i with a leisurely step and bashan a trifle in front of me with an easy and somewhat lopsided lope he had been chasing a rabbit or if you prefer had permitted himself to be chased by him he had also rooted out three or four pheasants and was now graciously minded to pay a little attention to me so that his master might not feel utterly neglected a small bevy of ducks with extended necks and in triangular formation flew over the river they were flying pretty high and closer to the other bank than to ours so that we could not consider them as game at all so far as hunting purposes were concerned they flew in the direction in which we were walking without regarding us or even being aware of our presence and we too merely cast a desultory and intentionally indifferent glance at them it then came to pass that on the farther bank which was of the same steepness as our own a man came beating out of the bushes as soon as he had stepped upon the scene of action he assumed a pose which caused both of us bashan as well as myself to halt and to turn round and face him and watch what he would do he was a rather tall fine figure of a man somewhat rough and ready so far as his externals were concerned he had drooping moustaches and wore puttees a small green alpine hat which was well pulled over his forehead wide loose trousers which were made of a kind of hard velveteen or so-called corduroy or manchester cloth and a jacket to match this was behung with all kinds of belts and leather contraptions for he carried a rucksack strapped to his back and a gun which also hung from a strap or it would be more proper to say that he had carried this for scarcely had he come into view than he drew the weapon towards him and leaning his cheek aslant against the butt raised the barrel obliquely towards the heavens he had set one beputtied leg in front of the other the barrel rested in the hollow of his extended left hand with the elbow bent under this the other elbow however that of the right arm the hand of which rested on the trigger was extended very sharply towards the side it revealed his face with squinting aiming eye much foreshortened and boldly exposed to the clear light of the skies 
there was something most decidedly operatic in this apparition of the man as he stood reared against the skies amidst this open-air scenery of bushes river and sky our intense and respectful regard however endured for only a moment then there came the dull flat report from over yonder something which i had attended with great inner tension and which therefore caused me to start a tiny jet of light pale in the broad of day blazed forth at the same time and was followed by a tiny cloudlet of smoke that puffed after it the man then inclined himself forward and once more his attitude and his action were reminiscent of the opera and with the gun hanging from the strap which he clutched in his right fist he raised his face towards the sky something was going on up there whither we too were now staring there was a brief confused scattering the triangle of ducks flew apart a wild panic-stricken fluttering ensued as when a puff of wind sets loose sails a-snapping an attempt at a glide as of an aeroplane followed then suddenly the body which had been struck became a mere inanimate object and fell swift as a stone upon the surface of the water near the opposite bank this was only the first half of the proceedings but i must interrupt my narrative here in order to turn the living light of my memory upon bashan there are a number of coined phrases and ready-made figures of speech which i might use for describing his behaviour current terms terms which in most cases would be both valid and appropriate i might say for example that he was thunderstruck but this term does not please me and i do not wish to use it big words the big well-worn words are not very suitable for expressing the extraordinary one may best achieve this by intensifying the small words and forcing them to ascend to the very acme of their meaning so i will say no more than that bashan started at the report of the gun and the accompanying phenomena and that this starting was the same as that which is peculiar to him when confronted with something striking and that all this was well known to me though it was now elevated to the nth degree it was a start which flung his whole body backward wobbling to right and left a start which jerked his head in rash recoil against his chest and which in recovering himself almost tore his head from his shoulders a start which seemed to cry from every fibre of his being what 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 was that hold in the name of a hundred thousand devils how was that he listened too he regarded everything with a kind of indignation such as extremes of surprise are apt to cause drank everything in as it were and there in his heart of hearts these things were already existing there in some form or other they had always been no matter what astounding novelties may have been sprung upon him here yes whenever these things came upon him causing him to leap to the right and the left and turn himself half round his own axis it always seemed to me as though he were attempting to catch a glimpse of himself and inquiring what am i who am i am i really i at the very moment in which the corpse of the duck fell upon the water bashan made a leap forward towards the edge of the escarpment as though he wished to go down into the river-bed and plunge himself into the water but then he thought of the current clamped the brakes upon this sudden impulse grew ashamed and once more confined his efforts to staring 
i regarded him with anxiety after the fall of the duck i was of the opinion that we had seen enough and proposed that we should go on but he had already sat himself down upon his haunches his face with ears erected to their utmost extent was addressed towards the other bank and when i said to him well bashan shall we go on he merely gave a flirt of his head in my direction as though one should say not without a certain rudeness please do not disturb me and kept on looking and so i gave in crossed my feet leaned on my stick and also went on watching to see what might now take place the duck one of those very ducks which had so often in impudent security rocked itself on the water before our very noses was driving on the water a wreck no one could tell which part of the bird was bow and which stern the river is quieter here the fall is not so great as farther upstream nevertheless the carcass of the duck had been seized at once by the current whirled about its axis and was beginning to float off it was clear that if our good man was not merely concerned with having made a good pot-shot and a killing but also with a more practical purpose then he would be obliged to put his best leg forward this he did without losing a moment everything happened with immense rapidity no sooner had the duck landed in the water than the man leaped scrambled almost tumbled down the escarpment he carried the shotgun in his outstretched arm and once more i was reminded of the opera and the romantic novel as he went leaping down over the stage-like setting of the stone slope like some robber chieftain or smuggler bold in a melodrama with careful calculation he kept a little to the right in an oblique direction for the drifting duck was being carried away from him and it was necessary to head it off this he actually succeeded in doing with the butt of his double-barrel gun extending this towards his kill with his body bent far forward and with his feet in the water he managed to halt it in its downward course and then carefully and not without much effort he steered and piloted it against the stones with the guiding gun butt and so drew it ashore the job was done and the man drew a breath of relief he laid his gun upon the bank beside him pulled his rucksack from his shoulder stuffed his booty into it drew the sack shut by its cords slung it upon his shoulders then supporting himself on his gun as on a cane and thus pleasantly laden he climbed complacently up the loose stone of the slope and made for the cupboard well he's got his bit of roast game for to-morrow i thought approvingly yet not without envy come bashan let's go there's really nothing more to see but bashan simply stood up and turned himself once around himself then sat down and stared after the man even after he had already left the scene of action and vanished among the bushes i did not again ask him to come along i refused to do this as a matter of principle he knew where we were living and if he thought it reasonable to sit here still longer and stare after everything was over and there was absolutely nothing more to see well that was his own affair it was a long way back and i for my part was going to return and then at last he gave ear and came during this exceedingly painful journey homeward bashan refrained from all further inclination to indulge in the sport of the chase 
he did not canter on ahead of me in a diagonal direction as was his wont when he was not in the right mood for trailing and beating up the game he walked a little behind me keeping regular step and drew down his mouth in a way which i would be bound to notice when i turned around to look at him this might have been tolerated and i was not going to let it ruffle or upset me on the contrary i was disposed to laugh and shrug my shoulders but then every thirty or fifty steps he began to yawn and it was this which embittered me it was this shameless wide-angle rudely bored yawning accompanied by a little piping guttural sound which clearly said my god talk about a master why he isn't a master at all he's simply rotten this insulting sound nearly always disturbs me but this time it was sufficient to shake our friendship to its very foundations go i said go away go to your master the man with the thunderclub and join up with him he does not appear to own a dog and so he might give you a job he may need you in that business of his he is of course only a plain man in corduroys and no particular class but in your eyes no doubt he is the finest gentleman in the world a real master for you so i honestly advise you to go and make up to him now that he has put a flea in your ear to keep the others company yes i went to such extremes as this we need not inquire whether he has a hunting permit or not and it's quite possible that you might get into difficulties when you happen to be caught some fine day whilst engaged in your shady work but then that is your business and the advice which i have given you is as i have already remarked most sincere the devil take your hunting i went on did you ever bring me a single rabbit for our table out of all those which i permitted you to chase is it my fault that you don't know how to do a quick turn and go pounding into the gravel with your nose like a fool at the very moment you should be showing your agility or have you ever brought me a pheasant which would have been just as welcome in these lean times and now you are yawning go to that fellow with the puttees i say you will soon see whether he is the sort of man who will scratch your throat and get you to laugh i'd be surprised if he can laugh himself at best i am sure his laugh must be a very coarse one perhaps you are under the impression that he would call in the aid of science and permit you to be observed in case you decide to have occult hemorrhages perhaps you are under the delusion that once you were his dog you would also have a chance to be nervous and anemic if so you had better go to him and yet it is possible that you are making a great mistake with regard to the degree of respect which this kind of master would display towards you there are for example certain fine points and differences for which such gun-bearing persons have a very sharp nose natural merits or demerits or to make my allusions clearer very awkward questions concerning pedigree and breed if i must express myself with superlative clearness then i must say that these are things which not everybody is disposed to ignore with that delicacy and humanity to which you have been accustomed and should your husky master upon your first difference of opinion with him reproach you with that goatee of yours and call you an unpleasant name 
then think of me and of the words which i am now addressing to you it was in such bitter irony that i spoke to bashan as he slunk behind me on the way home and even though i spoke inwardly and did not permit my words to be heard so as not to appear eccentric i am nevertheless convinced that he understood perfectly well what i meant and that he was capable of following at least the main line of my argument in short the quarrel was serious and having reached home i purposely let the garden gate fall to close behind me and he was forced to run and clamber over the fence without casting a single glance behind me i went into the house and heard him give a squeak as a sign that he had prodded his belly on one of the pointed pickets something which merely produced a mocking shrug of the shoulders on my part but all this happened long ago more than half a year ago and the same thing occurred as in the matter of the clinical interim time and oblivion have buried it deep and upon the floating surface of these which constitute the base of all life we continue to live on bashan to be sure appeared to be rather contemplative for a few days but he has long ago recovered his full and undiminished joy in hunting mice pheasants rabbits and waterfowl and our return home means to him merely attendance upon the next going forth whenever i reach my front door i turn round and face him once more and that is the signal for him to come jumping up the steps in two great leaps in order that he may raise himself on his hind legs and stem his forepaws against the front door so that i can pat his shoulder and say good-bye to-morrow bashan i remark we'll go out again in case i don't have to make a trip into the big outside world and then i hurry into the house to rid myself of my hobnailed boots for the soup has been served and stands smoking on the table end of chapter five part three end of bashan and i by thomas mann translated by herman george schoeffer